Duke fans, welcome to episode 239 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. We are here for your enjoyment today. We're doing a little bit of football because there is some very good news for the Duke football team. We'll be talking a little bit about the uh, NBA finals wrapping up. Quinn Cook gets another ring. His hand is filling up rapidly. And we're going to close it all out with a fun trivia contest. I am Jason Evans. I'll be your host of the podcast and of the trivia game. Donald and Sam have no idea what I've prepared for them. Guys, Donald, I'll start with you. Are, are you, do you think you're prepared for what I've got, uh, you know, what, I, what I've laid, the traps I've laid, so to speak? So first of all, hello, happy Canadian Thanksgiving Day to all of our people to the north. Oh, yes. Uh, I, I do know there's some people that listen to us in Canada. So shout out to you guys. I hope you guys are having a wonderful holiday. Uh, I I am not prepared for this game because, as you just mentioned, you haven't told us anything. So how can I prepare for something that I didn't know about? Very smart. And Sam Klein, Sam, what are you doing for Canadian Thanksgiving Day? I will be right back. I'm plugging in a new microphone into my computer. Give me (laughs) less than one minute. And then I will just respond. (laughs) that stays in that's again folks this is one of those moments where sometimes we edit out the mistakes this is a mistake this is a moment that is going to stay in sam is off camera now (laughs) i I will say that this is is funny that a lot of this happens uh while we record because we we have interesting setups sometimes uh and sometimes you just kind of have to roll with it all right guys i think i'm finally back what was the question i don't think i remember It was, are you prepared for the uh, trivia? I'm about as prepared for the trivia as I am for recording this show on high-quality editing software. So let's get to it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And we're going to start with the best news of the weekend, which was that the Duke football team got into the win column with a 38-24 to victory over the Syracuse Orange uh, it was a game that didn't start out great. But, I mean, we scored a touchdown, but then, like, they, like, immediately had, like, an 80-yard bomb that they – which was one of the best passes – one of the best passes I've ever seen <laughs> in a college football game. And they they tied it up. And then, a, a you know, a short time later, suddenly, you know, Duke's getting sacked and having fumbles get returned for touchdowns. And we – and it felt like going to be the same old, same old. But lo and behold, the Blue Devils hang on, pull away late, and win – 38 to 24, uh, a much better result, obviously, than we've seen in previous games, but still four turnovers. Um, uh, not not something great. Donald Wine, you know, what are your takeaways from this game other than the fact that Syracuse is pretty bad? They're really not good. They weren't good, I, but you know what? The They weren't the worst team on the day. The worst team on the day for me was the ACC Network because I live in an ACC city. And I could not watch this game because it was blacked out locally for a channel that does not exist locally. This is something that needs to be fixed. I had to watch via a dubious stream, uh, but I was able to watch the game. Thank you to the internet, whoever it was in some, I guess, real ACC city that was able to stream this game so that I could watch it. But anyway, to the game, I, I will start with the positives. The positives are our run game was incredible. Our run game, you know, Mateo Durant, Deion Jackson, both rushed for over 150 yards each. They were tremendous on the day. I I loved the fact that they were able to take a few weeks that they had some really bad games and just kind of go after it. Our run defense was equally as good. We only allowed, I think, 38 yards rushing on the day or 58 yards rushing a day, something like that, but very, very good 
from our defensive line. We talked about the defensive line. We talked about them being a team, the, a unit that can step up in this game, and they did that really, really well against the, the Orange. And, and Jason, like you said, I think they are really bad. At halftime, we were up uh, 11, and Coach Cut was – indignant about the fact that we couldn't take care of the football it was like yes this is a big major problem and we are going to fix the i i, I don't know what he said at halftime wait, wait, but he wait, probably chewed so, about yeah so go ahead. i i loved his comment coming into halftime uh they interviewed him as he walked off the field and, mm-hmm. and, and duke had the lead and he said look i hate to be irritated with a 10 point halftime lead but we've got to take care of the dadgum football and i'm gonna let them know that and i bet yeah. he used different language than dadgum football when he talked to them at halftime because they did do a better language. job they, they did a better job in the second half. Yeah, he did. He, he used some adult language at halftime, but it worked because in the second half they came out. And again, it wasn't it wasn't the prettiest game by any stretch. There was a lot of the ugliness we've seen from Duke uh, over the last four weeks present in this game. But Syracuse is is not good uh, at football right now. And we were better on the day. Our run game, I think, was the difference. Our run defense on was also equally as good. Chase Bryce, I thought, played pretty well, you know. 258 yards passing or 282 yards passing. Uh, and really, you know, he, for the most part, he took care of the football. He only had one pick and he still has to learn. There's some, there's some reads that he's not reading quite quickly. Gunnar Hol, uh, Holmberg is doing the same thing a little bit, but I think all in all, this is a positive. You take this win, you learn from the mistakes you made in this win and you apply them. And hopefully we get another win this Saturday against NC state. Yeah, and it's worth noting that the schedule. I, I I I was looking at the back half of the schedule here, and and there there are a lot of winnable games here. I'm not saying Duke's going to win those games. Look, the 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 team that the team that played BC is not is not winning many more games in the ACC. But the team that played Notre Dame, and to some extent the team that played Syracuse, especially um, you know in terms of our rushing offense, that's a team that could beat a lot of ACC teams, and and we may actually be be in for a surprisingly you know decent season here. Look. We, 645 yards of total offense, 645 is an outrageous number. It's the most offensive yards a Duke team has had since 1982. My goodness. But like you said, Donald, four turnovers. And look, we were honestly, we were lucky. There were a couple other throws that could have been picked off. We got, we got lucky. Uh, there was a, a running into the kicker pl- um, play that, that ended up resulting in a first down, and we ended up getting a TD out of that. You know, there, there are a lot of things about this game that I thought came out lucky for us. Now, we were also unlucky at times that uh, Jake Bobo had had a touchdown catch that they called him down at the one. We only ended up getting a field goal out of that out of that series. And that was very unlucky because if they'd bothered to go to replay, Duke would have gotten the touchdown because he was clearly in the end zone. But you have to play great when you have four turnovers and the other team, you know, doesn't and you win the ball game. I mean, that shows you how much Duke dominated other phases of the game. And and I liked Cut's final comment uh, in the post game. They interviewed him again in the post game, and, and uh, I, I just thought it was very apropos. He said, "There is daylight and dark difference between winning and losing." And boy, is he right! I mean, if we'd lost this game, you'd be looking at those four turno- turnovers and just be furious that Duke still cannot hold on to the ball. But it feels a little bit better <laughs> when it's a game that you win. Uh, Sam, what, what what's your feeling about the turnovers here? The turnovers are are still concerning because we talked about going into this game, how Syracuse was good at turning the ball over. They were one of the best so far this season. Duke has had a lot of problems with turnovers and, and those issues continued. So I really hope that there's an opportunity 
after a win to go back and, and look at the tape and be like, all right, now it's time to to, to clean up some of the, the ball handling here. Most of them came from fumbles, which are even more disappointing because at least, you know, if there are interceptions, then all right, we can blame that on the quarterback. Then it really just needs to be more of a conversation between the coaching staff and the quarterbacks, maybe with the receivers on on not running the right plays. But fumbles is a is, is sort of a general problem. There were there were quarterback fumbles, there were running back fumbles. And and so that can't continue for Duke if they expect to, as you said, Jason, take advantage of maybe an easier back half of the schedule to steal a few more wins. So I'm disappointed that the turnovers continued, but hopefully following a win, there's more opportunity for them to correct it. I also wanted to come back and talk a little bit about the quarterback situation, because as we noted, Chase Bryce had a had a nice game in terms of total yardage. He was benched briefly, I believe it was in the second corner in favor, second quarter in favor of Gunnar Holmberg. And there's an interesting dynamic here because Chase Bryce, of course, has been a backup quarterback for his entire college career. He was playing at Clemson. He was behind Trevor Lawrence, was standing on the sideline for the most part, watching Lawrence deliver Heisman Trophy level performances throughout ACC season. So Chase Bryce isn't, isn't, is is not unfamiliar with standing on the sideline and watching the game, but is unfamiliar with being the starter and having this happen to him. So he also demonstrated a, a fair bit of poise that I was really impressed by in in having this situation come up for him where where Cutcliffe decides to bench him and then comes right back in in the second half and and is able to to recover from it and still have kind of a nice game. Hey, Sam, I, I, I actually think it is very possible. Uh, Holmberg came in on a series, on the series right after Chase Bryce got sacked pretty hard and, and he fumbled and and um, and they recovered the ball. I, I think he may have been a little shaken up and that they, that you know, it wasn't so much a, your performance is terrible, we need to take you out as much as it was, hey, take a second, catch your breath, maybe watch things for a minute and let's let Gunner do a little, you know, carry the carry the load a little tiny bit. Regardless of whatever it was, Bryce handled it maturely, and 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 it doesn't seem like there are going to be any issues going forward. I think it's important for Gunnar Holmberg to be ready to go, which which it seemed like he was in coming in in the middle of this game. So so the quarterback situation to me seems like mostly I'm just happy that they have mature guys on the sidelines and the, and that the communication between the coaching staff and the quarterbacks is good. Hopefully it means that they can clean up some of the turnovers going forward because because everyone appears to be on the same page here. And then I did want to come back because Jason mentioned that he expected that Coach Cut was using saltier language in the locker room. I can tell you from having spent time around the program that Coach Cutcliffe uses salty language sparingly. He is not Mike Krzyzewski in this regard, but when he uses it, it gets the player's attention. Ooh, that is some good insight there from Sam Klein. Hey, we haven't talked much about the defense. Very, very impressive performance by our D, I thought, for the most part. Donald? I agree. I, like I said, I thought their run defense was incredible. I wanted to give a quick shout-out to Victor DiMicheggi, though, because he had another, uh, I believe, sack and a half today. He is only two and a half sacks away from catching Charlie Bowser and the Duke record for all-time sacks in a Duke uniform. So he he's going to set that record. He he's going to set that record very yeah. easily. He, he's been doing really well this year. He has five and a half sacks on the season so far, including that one against Boston College, where he was just shy of setting the single game record uh, for sacks in the game. So he's doing really well this year. Charlie Rumpf is doing 
is doing well in, on the other end. And, and they showed it yesterday. They showed why they are really probably the best duo, uh, at least defensive end duo in the ACC, if not the country. All right, guys, let's get to a little bit of basketball here and specifically the NBA. Uh, the bubble is done and the bubble burst for the Miami Heat. I, I guess you would say <laughs> uh, as the, uh, does as it, the LA does Lakers. It burst, does it burst in the NBA finals? I'm not sure. I, I, I yeah. don't feel like it does. <laughs> they were a five seed. That's a Cinderella. I guess so. I guess. Oh so. yeah. They clearly exceeded expectations in the playoffs and, and, you know, huge tip of the cap to them for making a really good series out of it. Jimmy Butler showed himself to, to be a absolute, you know, rising star in the league. He absolutely carried them to a couple of victories, but in the end, it was the L.A. Lakers who won it 4-2. to two. LeBron James collects his fourth ring, third uh, different team upon which he has collected a ring. I think, I, I want to say the Lakers had, it's their 17th title, something like that. Something outrageous. But but guys, let's let's talk um, a, a little bit about what, you know, what our takeaways are, other than the fact that my buddy Quinn Cook uh, picked up, friend of the podcast, Quinn Cook picked up uh, a, another ring. Didn't play a lot, but uh, you still get a ring. Still get that winner's check and still get that bling on your finger. Sam Klein, what did you think about the, the bubble and, and the NBA playoffs? Well, why don't we start with Quinn Cook? Did you guys see that after the game, apparently Quinn Cook got left at the arena while the team bus was rolling out and, and J.R. Smith went live on Instagram and Quinn Cook was commenting, hey, turn the bus around. You guys forgot me. So that was a funny moment. At least, hey, at least they didn't forget him on their way to the club because there was no club to go to. There are no clubs open right now. It's It's the pandemic. But very happy for Quinn and... There was an interesting note from, I think Duke men's basketball picked up on this. All four of LeBron James's uh, NBA championships have come with uh, Duke guys on, on the team between Shane Battier and Kyrie Irving and Dante Jones, who played with LeBron in Cleveland and then now Quinn Cook in Los Angeles. Meanwhile, if we're going to talk about the LeBron versus Jordan debate, I don't think Michael Jordan ever had a Duke teammate on any of his championship teams. So if you need more reason to be LeBron and not Michael, you know, here's another just sort of petty, arbitrary reason to think about that, at least for all the Duke fans out there, which I imagine is most of you. The other cool thing that I wanted to highlight is just how successful the NBA bubble was. I, I don't know how much we want to talk about the games versus the the big picture here, but the NBA succeeded in quarantining all the players. They had 22 teams enter the bubble. They started this all the way back in July. And... They made it all the way here to mid-October, no coronavirus infections throughout anyone in the bubble. That's the players, the coaches, the staff, nobody. They managed to play all the games as scheduled. They were able to rejigger the schedule around, you know, series ending and then new series starting up and that kind of stuff. So there was a little bit of flexibility in there, but they managed to adapt. You didn't hear the players complaining about any of the protocols or anything. I think a lot of them got lonely while they were there, which is understandable. They were away from their families for months at a time, as were the rest of the staff. But I think overall, you could say that the NBA bubble was a great success. It limited, you know, it it kept everybody healthy and and they were able to get all the way through to the finals and, and maintaining the same protocol. And by the way, they did it while highlighting a variety of social justice issues that if you were going to write a textbook on how to be politically involved and how to be how to be standing up for for things that you think are right and doing so in a in a peaceful and powerful way could you have done it any better than the NBA did i i don't think so and and so i commend them regardless of what you think about the specific messaging regardless of any of that you have to commend them for 
for having a platform and using it to the best of their ability, which I think they absolutely demonstrated here. And I am now so excited for the NBA to return whenever that will be. And and I know that we're going to be talking a lot about the draft and free agency as those things are coming up for the NBA pretty soon. But but my my extreme congratulations to everyone involved in making the bubble so successful. I was going to say a lot of the same things you did, so I'll trim my comments up a little bit. I don't know that the NBA is going to form this same kind of restrictive bubble um, again. It, it, it was really difficult. I, I want folks to understand uh, everyone, and, and not just the players, not just the personnel you know associated with the teams, but like everyone involved in this had all kinds of special technology that they had to use to make it work just right. They had the, the special proximity alarm that that would beep anytime you were within six feet of another person for more than, you know, a minute or something like that. They had special rings on their fingers that monitored their temperature in real time and, and would alert you if someone's temperature was spiking in any way. They had a special app where they had to put in their, uh, you know, they would take their temperature, they would take their blood oxygen level every morning, and they would put it into this iPhone app that would that was constantly tracking these things to make sure that everyone was as healthy as they as they presumed to be. It was truly, uh, you know, an impressive use of technology, but also really restrictive. The the players, we've heard from it now. The players, I don't think, enjoyed this. They knew they were doing it for a reason, but they they did not have a good time uh, in the bubble for all this time and. You know, we we talk about LeBron James winning a title. Um, If LeBron James and the other stars of the league, and LeBron is the biggest voice in the league, we all know that. If they had not wanted this to happen, if they had not been enthusiastic about making this happen, there's no way it happens. The league would not have been able to put it together without a full buy-in from the players. And part of that was the players being really interested and concerned about social justice. I want everyone to remember that the way the coronavirus plague, you know, really hit America, the way we recognized that it was here was Rudy Gobert got it and the NBA shut down. That was, you know, if you, if you want to track a date, that was when America realized that this was on our shores and we had to deal with it. March 11th, the day that the data sports stopped. It's it'll be, it'll be a 30 for 30 one day for real. Like that's, it is, it is one of the most important days in sports history and not in a good way. But but I'll tell you something else. Another huge day in sports history was the day the Milwaukee Bucks walked off the floor in the bubble because of uh, you know uh, uh, of the violence that was happening against African American men, and and the NBA didn't. People forget it looked at that point like the league might be done for three days. We did not play any games, and there was serious talk. There were plenty of teams, plenty of players who were like, "No, nah, we're done. We tried to make this work. We tried to to make our point to the American public." about Black Lives Mattering, and it's clear that that people did not hear us. And it took a lot for the league, for the players to come back and say, no, we're going to continue. So there, there's just, I mean, Donald, you want to talk a 30 for 30, this should be a, a 90 for 90, a 120 for 120, whatever you want to call it. There should be a huge documentary about all that went on here. It was remarkable that they pulled it off. Congrats to the Lakers for doing an incredible job. And it meant so much, both in terms of fighting the virus and standing up for an important cause. It's funny that you mentioned that because the producers and the the people who uh, documented the footage for The Last Dance were in the bubble the entire time. We found out a few days ago that they have been recording this entire this entire bubble experience. Oh, and so be awesome! 
years from now, you know, we're going to have probably a similar mini series where uh, similar to the last dance where we have in detail what went on inside the bubble, what it was like for these players. And I agree. I, I all of, all of what you both have said has been correct. This was an incredible time. The, the bubble was incredible basketball. I watched literally every single game uh, and there's a lot of games. So to, to do all that and, and just think about this, just, you know, I just want to go back to the greatness debate for just a second. We could have a whole podcast on who is the greatest of all time, but LeBron almost walked away from his fourth championship on that day that the Milwaukee Bucks walked off the court or, or decided not to play. You know, th- that was how close we were to not having a season. LeBron and the Lakers walked out followed by the Clippers. At that time, everyone's like, okay, well, if those two teams don't want to go for a title, so be it. Literally, the Lakers ended up winning the title. They were the favorites the whole time, and they ended up winning it. That is, it, it takes a lot of guts to be able to say, I will walk away from what I know could be a very successful year for me in the name of of making sure that people understand that our lives matter. And I think that when you com- when you couple that, you have to throw all of this into the debate for for the greatest of all time. The fact that LeBron was able to carry the Lakers throughout this, you know, helped Anthony Davis, a bunch of guys, assembled this roster to get to the point that they were and, and, and win it all with all the pressure, with all of that, I think is something that when we talk about this years from now, that is going to come up and people are going to be like, man, I cannot believe what those guys went through to get that 17th trophy. Hey, by the way, speaking of the GOAT debate, I think there's a really interesting case that LeBron makes based on this Laker team because uh, Anthony Davis, you know, obviously he had a great teammate, one of the five best players in the NBA as his primary, you know, as his Robin, his Batman, if you want to call it that. I mean, Anthony Davis, probably very few players on the earth. But Jordan had Pippen, Pippen, a top 50 player. But but wait, so the the thing I was going to say about this was, the third best player on the late. Who was the third best player in the late? Kyle Kuzma, I guess. Was Kuzma the third? I, I'm not sure. This is the worst third best player on an NBA championship that I can recall in a long time. I mean, you know, you think about LeBron's other teams. He had Kevin Love when he was in Cleveland. He had Chris Bosh. Um, look, he, he, Ray Allen, uh, you know, when, the, when they were down there in Miami. Um, I, I don't know who the third best player on this Lakers team was. They had two great players, and then they had a bunch of other guys who probably shouldn't be starting on any other NBA team. Contavious Caldwell Pope. I don't Rondo, know, Rajon, probably. Rajon, Rondo played great ball in the bubble. I mean, in the playoffs at times, but I mean, my goodness, this was their third best player should not have been the third best player in a championship team. That's how great LeBron and AD were. Yeah, it, it was it was special to watch. I you know, I hate the Lakers, but watching these watching these playoffs and watching them play, they deserved every bit of it. They they played the best. They were the best team. Uh, and hats off to the Miami Heat because I, I feel like a lot of play, if if we have like a metric of, of like the, the per and the Q ratings that they talk about, the elevated status, the Miami Heat probably won that hands down because before this playoffs, everyone was probably like, ah, oh, the Miami Heat, they'll probably lose in round one. If not, they'll lose to the box. They'll be fine. Now people are like, this team is going to contend in 2021. And this team is such a likable group of guys because we saw that they were the best team equipped to just go into a bubble and just play basketball. Really, really good stuff from them. They'll be back. I know it. It was super fun watching Jimmy Butler turn into like he he's been very good for a long time. I feel like in this playoffs, he he really turned it up and is basically now like 
fine. I'm, you know, put me on anybody, you know, give me LeBron James, give me whoever. And, and I want to, I, I want to go up against the best. We saw Jimmy Butler guarding LeBron in this series, which I, I don't know that, that Jimmy Butler was, was the go-to guy on defense for the heat, but look at him now. He's, he's guarding their best player. He's, he's scoring a ton of buckets. He's making everything happen for them. So I agree with you, Donald. It's going to be exciting to see the heat in years to come. And speaking of things that are coming up, we're going to take a quick break, but then right after that break, Donald versus Sam, mano a mano, as Jason hands out the trivia questions. We'll see who knows more about recent Duke basketball. Back in a moment. All right, gentlemen, you ready for it? It's time for a little bit of trivia. I came oh. up with this. We, Yeah. Okay. So for this trivia, I'm just going to go on the record before we start that if I lose, this was rigged. I had no idea what these questions are. This is not fair. If I do, if I, if I do win, this was a great, great game. Jason, you did a great job in setting this up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, that's as good a way as any to start this segment. Uh, so here we are. We're about to do a little bit of trivia. We didn't have a ton on, uh, you know, in this edition of the podcast. So I said, you know what? I'll make up some questions. I'll let Sam and Donald go up against each other. Uh, so folks, just so you know, even though you can only hear us, we can see each other. So the way these questions are going to go is I want you guys, you're going to have to raise your hand and I'm going to call on whoever raised his hand first. There are 10 questions, but there are bonus points after each question. And some of the questions are worth multiple points, depending on how many you get right. This question, this this trivia quiz is all about what I'm going to refer to as AP, the AP area after pod. All these questions are about things that have happened since the DBR podcast came into existence with the 2014-15 season. So unlike, you know, I'm an old guy. I could go back. We could do trivia about stuff in the 80s and 90s. I'd probably kick your butts. But this is all going to be very current, very recent. Every answer you give will relate to something that, re- that happened since the 2014-15 season. So we, here's how we will start. My first question is a scheduling question. We're going to have a couple scheduling questions, then some player stats, and then some recruiting and game result questions. First up, scheduling questions. Okay, guys? Be ready to raise your hand. Let's do this. Let's do it. Italian up these points. Duke has played UNC the most of any team since we started the podcast in 2014-15. How many times have we played UNC? Donald. 12. That is incorrect. Damn. Sam, would you like to guess? How long do I have to, to think about this? Because I, I, I think I can work it out. Why don't I do my thought seconds. process for getting there out loud? And then we'll see if I got to the right answer. Okay. So we started the show in 2015. There have now been six seasons since then, which means there's at least 12. And then there will be a couple ACC tournaments. I'm going to guess that Duke and UNC have played in the ACC tournament three times since then. So I'm going to guess 15 uh, Duke-UNC games. Sam gets it right. 15 <laughs> games is absolutely I, correct. I, I forgot the ACC. I forgot the ACC. Slow and steady. Slow and steady wins the race. <laughs> I, was, I was hoping. I told you this game is terrible. I was, gonna, I was thinking like, oh, something about how the season was canceled and how that's going to affect it. But that didn't because we got the whole regular season in this year. Very impressive, Sam. Sam, that means you get the bonus questions. All right. Ready? So Let's you have one it. point for an extra bonus point. Who have we played the second most? Uh, Wake Forest, because Duke has to play Wake Forest twice every year in the 
in the back and forth. Very nice. And how many times have we played them for another bonus point? So it's twice every year for six times a year. We don't. I don't think we've played Wake as many times in the tournament. Let's say that we've played Wake thirteen times in that. Twelve period. times. We have never played them. Never in played tournament. them Only in the ACC times. tournament. All right. Man, bummer for Wake. I guess Wake is always pretty bad, at least in the time of this show. So they probably don't even make it to the day that Duke is playing in the ACC tournament. Yeah, it's very rare, I think, that they make it to that day. Right, exactly. So, guys, up next is what I'm going to call a ping-ponging question. Donald is behind, which means Donald will go first in the ping-pong. There are six teams that Duke has – six non-conference teams, I should say – that Duke has played at least three times during the podcast era. Name them. Donald, you go first. Does this count NCAA tournaments? Yes, everything. You name everything. it. Everything. Okay. Michigan State. That's the easiest one. We've played them six times. I was I was going to say, if he doesn't get Michigan State, I got an easy one off the bat. I will go with Kansas. Uh, that is correct. We've played Kansas three times. Donald? Wisconsin. No, we've only played Wisconsin twice. They are not there. Sam? Do I get to steal? Yeah, it, wait, wait. It means that if you are now able to name another team, you will get a point, and then you would get an additional point for any of the other teams you can name. All right. Well, I will round out the Champions Classic by saying Kentucky. No, we have only played Kentucky twice. Wow. Played Damn. Kentucky twice during the past six years. So that's why I asked about the tournament because I knew we had played Wisconsin. I thought we had played Wisconsin in a couple of uh, ACC big tournament uh, challenges and then the 2015. Like, How have we only played Kentucky twice? I got to check my thing again. Hold on. Because we because the rotation's only been twice since in 6 years. Correct, we've only played them twice. Mm-hmm. How many teams? No are one left? gets a point. No one gets I know I know we're not getting points, but 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 we need to at least salvage our dignity. It was at least 3 times? Has Duke played Michigan 3 times in that in that span? Hold on, here are the teams. You guys named Michigan State and Kansas. That's mm-hmm. it. And then we got Wisconsin and Kentucky wrong. Correct. The other teams are we played St. John's 3 times? Oh, we always play St. John's. Mm-hmm. We've played Indiana three times. Oh, yeah. We have Why played we Yale three times. And the team next to Michigan t- State, the team we have played the second most since the podcast came into existence is Elon. Elon. It's still Elon. Elon. <laughs> Whatever the hell they're called, we played them four times. So, so guys, unfortunately, no points awarded on that one. Mm. Now we're getting into some stat questions. Okay, are you ready? All right. Yes. yes, let's do it. In terms of points plus rebounds plus assists plus plus blocks, who has the most in a single season at Duke since the pod came into existence? Sam. I am going to guess Marvin Bagley the third. Sam's guess is incorrect. Donald. Points, assists, rebounds, and blocks in since the podcast in, came in, into in existence. One season. Jalil Okafer. No. All right. Can we can we keep going? Can we keep going? Yes, Go let's on. keep going. All right. I'm going to go with Grayson Allen. Wrong. <laughs> Donald? Zion Williamson. Wrong. He's number two on the list. All right. All right. All right. Uh, I'm going to go with R.J. Barrett. R.J. Barrett is the correct answer. Oh R.J. Barrett, RJ Barrett <laughs> combined for, oh, I've got it on here. Some, I'm not going to get into it. It's a lot of numbers. It's, it's a lot. Yes, it's a lot. People forget that season. He, he had a ton of rebounds and assists that season, the single season he was at Duke. And because he played more games than Zion, he was the uh, the leader. Ah, uh, uh, yes, Zion was a bad was a bad choice. He didn't play the full season. That's correct. Yeah, it was a bad choice. So uh, so Sam did end up eventually getting the R.J. Barrett point. Donald, you are losing. This game appears to be turning into a fraud, according to Donald. See what I'm saying? See, I already knew. 
All right, ready? Donald, I'm confident you're going to get this next one. In the after pod era, or the pod era, as we should probably call it, who has the most assists in a single season? Do I get to jump into this, or, or is this a question for Yeah, Donald? it's both of you. Yeah. It's a, it's oh. a three. I'm going to... I'm going to guess that the most Boy, for a guy who raised his hand, you're taking is, your time. Is Trey an Jones? Is Trey Jones? Trey Jones is incorrect. Most single season assists. Donald, you said most in a season or most at Duke? Most in a season. Single most season. season. Single season. Single season. That would be Grayson Allen. Incorrect. Tyus Jones. Guys, come on. Here, here was my thought. All right, let me defend myself. Tyus Jones played with Quinn Cook. And I know right. that Tyus Jones was the point guard, but like Quinn Cook also handled the ball a lot. Quinn, so Quinn had those was, years that was like he had those games where he'd have like two points and fifteen assists. Right. So I I didn't think that it was possible that it could be Tyus Jones, but here we are. Tyus had two hundred and seventeen assists in that single season. And how many did Trey Jones have in his freshman season? Trey had hundred and ninety-two, and you guys still haven't named the guy who was second to Tyus. I'm gonna say Trevon Duval, perhaps. Trevon Duval had 207 assists, second to Tyus. By the way, you mentioned Grayson Allen was third. You know who was fourth? R.J. Barrett. R.J. had 164 assists. Those alley-oops. <laughs> but he won't win a title until he leaves New York to go play anywhere else. So, so gentlemen, we, we will not be giving out any points on that one. Um, none of you ended up getting it, or it took you too long to get it. So I'm not giving out any points on that one. So my next stat question most total blocked shots, not a single season, most total blocked shots. Donald. I'm going to go Javin Delorier. <laughs> man, that's a bold, that's a bold <laughs> guess. Hey, four years, man. Hey, you had to go four years. <laughs> there's someone else who went four years who's just going to crush you on this. Sam? Wait, there's somebody who, who played four. Oh, Emil Jefferson, perhaps. Emil Jefferson. It's actually not even that close. Oh, uh, okay. You know what? All right. Here, here's why I wasn't thinking of Mill, because he started pre-pod era and entered the pod era. That's why I wasn't thinking about it. Ooh, him. is this a technicality? Uh, even, even with this technicality, Emil would lead. Okay, Sam, you got the question right. So you actually get Donald, the right. have you gotten any points yet? Donald no. has zero points. <laughs> no, I don't have any points. Because Wait. I because this is a trivia t- thing. He, he, did, he didn't tell us any of these questions. I don't know these answers. I don't. I didn't get the answers ahead of time. <laughs> Sam, Sam. So there are now bonus points for picking the person who is in second and third. I, th- sorry, these are career blocks at Duke. Career blocks. Career blocks at Duke. So I need to be really careful about guessing someone who was only at Duke for one year. However, Marvin Bagley did have a lot of blocks at Duke, so I'm going to guess that Marvin Bagley is in the top three here. You are incorrect, sir. Ah! Number two right. is Marquise Bolden. Bolden had 90. I guess he was there for three years, right? Yeah. And then after that is someone who was only there for one year, Wendell Carter, 76 block shots. Carter had more blocks than Bagley that year. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Carter blocked a lot of shots. He was protecting the rim there, baby. Marvin Bagley did have a lot of rebounds, but yes, Wendell Carter blocked the shots. Okay, guys, we got one more player stat question. Donald, we're running out of time for you to get a point here. Hey, you know what? And and this is one, uh, you guys are going to get this, I know. Okay, so. With the caveat that you must attempt at least one three-point field goal per game, not per game you play, but per game for the team. So, so Marshall Plumley will not be the answer. Marshall yeah. Plumley will not be the answer. Who had the best single-season three-point season? Oh, that was Gary Trent. Sam is incorrect. Ah, oh. you have to have attempted one three-pointer per game played, most in a single season. Yes. 
Oh, I'm going to go. You know what? I'm just going to go Justin Robinson. He didn't quite have enough attempts. He oh. didn't have enough attempts. Sorry. The, and he wouldn't have gotten it anyway. The answer is freshman year, Alex O'Connell, who hit 48.9% of his threes oh, yeah. as a freshman. And he took uh, almost one and a half threes per game. So he was definitely there. Okay. So guys, because no one got a point on that, we're going to go for second place. You guys have still not named who had the second best three-point percentage of anyone at Duke in a single season during the pod era. Come on, guys. He had an awesome sophomore year. Uh, Grayson Allen. Sam is incorrect. Trey Jones. Oh. Uh, Luke Kennard. Jones. I was about Luke to say Kennard. Luke Kennard <laughs> lit it up as a sophomore. You, so, so Jason, Jason we think they appear to be easy answers, but the fact is we, we are the Duke Basketball Report podcast. <laughs> we have so many freaking good players that it's hard to come up with the correct one, especially in a sea of great ones. So, and by the way, the shocking, no one was ever going to get this. The, the person who has the third best single season, Joey Baker, Justice Winslow, Justice Winslow hit 41.8% of his threes in 2015. Can you believe that? That's amazing. Bunch so again, too. Ama- again, no points awarded. <laughs> All right. Another ping pong question. And again, Donald is trailing, so he will get to go first. Yay. This is a recruiting question. Uh-oh. Consensus top five recruits. This is the recruiting service consensus index. The RSCI says this guy was a top five recruit who attended Duke. Donald, go first. Zion Williamson. That is correct. Before I answer, are we including guys that were recruited prior to the pod era or it's only guys who, who, so like, can I guess guys that were on the 2015 team? Uh, No, you cannot guess players who are on the 2015 team because this is only since the pod players have been recruited. Yes. So that's a good, that's a good clarification. So Tyus and Jalil Okafor will not count. Got it. Okay. So, and Donald had Zion. I am going to go with RJ Barrett. Yep. Marvin Bagley III. That is correct. Let's finish off the team with Zion Williamson and say Cam Reddish. That is correct. We will also go with Vernon Carey Jr. Excellent. And Vernon Carey was a was a, I guess he was a top five guy. He was number he was like number three. Uh, I will go with Harry Giles. Excellent answer, Sam. That is correct. He was the number mm. two recruit. Oh, uh, ooh. Let's there see. are three of them left. There's still three. Three left? There are three left. Hmm. Donald's having a hard time. Jalen Johnson. He is not a consensus top five recruit. Oh. All right. Here for the steal? Yep. Can I get the steal? You can get all I'm three of them. Go. I'm going to guess Jason Tatum. That is correct. I, I should have guessed him. I should have guessed him. I knew that was him. I'm glad that I got Harry Giles. I'm very impressed with myself. Who else you got? You got two more you can get. Uh... I don't think, yeah, if, if Jalen Johnson's not top five, then there's nobody on this team. Uh, was Wendell Carter top five? I think he was just outside, but I'm going to guess him. He was just outside the top five. Trevon Duval was number five. He was top five. And then the other one, Brandon Ingram, guys. Brandon Ingram. Oh, oh yeah. oops. <laughs> See? Sea of greatness. Too, sea many, greatness. too many dudes. Too many great, That's too many the great problem. dudes. <laughs> okay. Up next, I got a question. This is built for Donald. You ready? But I got to see hands. So... How many times has Duke topped 100 points during the podcast era in a game? How many times have we oh. scored 100 points? <laughs> the Donald Wine special. That's the Donald Wine special. Donald Wine I'm gonna, Duke scored 100 points. Sam, I'm going to take a stab first. at it first. I'm going to guess eight times. Eight. Eight is incorrect. 
Donald, if you are closer, you will get the point. 100 times uh, seven. <laughs> no, it's no, 13. No, he went in the wrong direction. It's definitely more than eight. <laughs> definitely more. It's 13. <laughs> okay. Next question, somewhat related to this. Within five points, what is the most points Duke has scored in a game during the podcast era? Ooh. Uh, I saw Sam's hand go up first. I am going to guess 125. Actually, I won't say within five points. Donald, do you want to? 132. The answer is 124 against St. Francis in 2017. Let's go, baby. That's what I was, and that's the game I was trying to recall too. I was like, what was that final score? That was the one I think that Marshall Plumlee hit the three, where he won by 71 points. That sounds, the, the, (laughs) the source of the second greatest Duke men's basketball YouTube video. I believe I can fly. I believe I can fly Marshall Plumlee. Second only to Kyle Gets Buckets. Yes. For those who have been following that page for a long enough time. (laughs) There you go. All right. I got another one coming, guys. We're running out of questions, and I don't think there's time for Donald to catch up, but we will try. I'm not worried about catching up. I've got questions right. I just don't get the points for him. That's all. You got to get a point, man. Okay. Among teams that Duke has played at least five times, which is basically the ACC plus Michigan State, who does Duke has the best record against? All right, which Donald? Yeah. Wait, wait, wait! Do- Donald's hand is up. Donald, Michigan State. No, we lost to them in the tournament. You were there with me. Yeah, but that doesn't mean we don't have the best record. We do not have the best no. record again. There's got to be an ACC team that has not beaten us in that time. The question is, which ACC team stinks that much? I am going to guess. <laughs> I think it's Georgia Tech. Sam, that is so impressive. Oh my Duke God. is six and zero, six and zero against Georgia Tech during the podcast era. They stay. I swear, I, thought, I swear, I thought we had lost to them. There was one game where we did, we almost lost to them when they were terrible. Nah, they stink. Okay, yeah, you, they you ready? Wait, Sam. Sam now gets the the possibility for the bonus question. Who right. is our second best record against? I think I'm going to say Wake Forest because I think we've only lost to them once. He is amazing. We are eleven and one against Wake Forest. Let's go. Let's go. Michigan State was. This Let's is go. No, but we don't we don't play Michigan State twice a year, Donald. So, so I don't care. Don't care. This is outrageous, <laughs> uh, Sam. I will allow you to continue. Can you go one more? All right. Other. It's still not Michigan State because I think there's probably another ACC team that we've only lost to once in that time. Let's say it's Boston College. You are correct. We've only lost to Boston College once, but. We we are six and one against BC. We are seven and one against FSU. We're also six and one against Pitt. We're seven and one against Florida State in that time. Yeah, that's pretty. Yeah, which is amazing considering yeah, how I was many say, they're pretty good. <laughs> well, also considering the fact that if we're judging according to the Georgia Tech and Wake Forest standard, which is they stink, Florida State does not stink. They're usually very good. I mean, the they've won the years. ACC twice in the podcast era. So, and Duke has not won the ACC at least in the regular season in that time. So, no. Okay. Uh, guys, unfortunately, I'm on to the last question. Uh, the opposite of the previous question, who does Duke have the worst record against during the podcast era? Again, of teams we've played at least five times. I'm not counting teams we played only once or twice. Sam's hand is up. I am going to say NC State. That would be incorrect. Worst record. Notre Dame. Uh, okay, so you know what? Hang on a second. I'm going to have to double check these. I didn't check either one of those. Give me one second. What? We've, we've lost a bunch of games to those teams. <laughs> what? <laughs> Donald, Notre Dame is correct. We are 7-4 and four against Notre Dame during the uh, 
during the podcast era. Yeah, you guys were worried I wasn't going to get a point. Donald, this means you have a chance now to go back and get an additional point for naming other teams that we don't have a great record against. Who is the team that we are second worst against during the podcast era? Second worst. I'm going to go Louisville. The answer is UNC. We are that was nine, going to be my oh, next yeah. guess. Yeah, we're yeah. nine and six against the Tar Heels. They are the I guess that, that makes sense. Against. We play them too much, so. Yeah, uh, yeah, we play them a lot. And it turns out they're good a lot, too, which is very frustrating. So the final tally is Sam got 10 points. Donald got one point. At least you weren't. At, at least it wasn't as bad as Georgia Tech does against Duke, Donald. It's <laughs> the travesty. It's a, it's, a, it's a mockery. It's a sham. It's a travis sham mockery. I told you before this happened, what was going to happen. Donald, <laughs> Donald, Donald, if you come at the king, you best not miss. Well, I just think, I didn't know you were the king. He didn't prep me for that. If he had prepped me for that, I would have studied or something. But no, I had to do this off the cuff. Some of those answers by Sam were really impressive. Sam, yeah, I am, pulled, pulled I am bowing also, down. I will, yeah. be, I, will, I will be clear that the, the ping pong questions, I do like those because we did both get answers right. It wasn't like I just you know, yeah. missed the first question. So that's, that is true. We had that to get, get down to the nitty gritty before we started coming up with misses. If you did better than I did in this game, email us at dbrpodcast at gmail.com and tell us that you are a bigger nerd than I, or at least we collectively are on this stuff. If you did better than me, do not email us. because <laughs> we, did, we, we don't need all these emails. Okay. Like we, we, we can only read so many. We want to just read. If you got more than Sam, great. Got more than me? Just just put it on the on the forums or something. I am a little bit embarrassed by this win, but I'll take it. I am overall mostly excited about it. <laughs> uh, and and a huge prize will come with it. Um, I will tell you right now, Sam Klein will get to host the next edition of the DBR podcast as his prize. It's a big for one. Winning the contest. Uh, but that's going to wrap it up for this edition uh, of me, Jason Evans, hosting the podcast, Sam and Donald. Thanks so much for being with me. Like they said, folks, we want you to email us, dbrpodcast, dbrpodcast at gmail.com. Let us know what you think about what we're doing. Um, you can also let us know what you think by putting in a review on whatever app it is, wherever it is you listen to podcasts. Give us a five-star review. We will read those reviews out here on the air when we have time, when we want to say how much we love you after you have said how much you love us. Don't forget to like and subscribe, all that other stuff we always tell you to do about these podcasts. But again, we thank you for joining us. We'll be back in just a few days. I'll give you an advanced tease. We're probably going to be talking to another Duke basketball player sometime in the next couple of days, and we will have that on the next edition of the podcast. Until then, I am Jason. They are Donald and Sam, and this is the Duke Band. This is like Tank Cup when he had the shanks, and he's like, "Yo, take this, take this tea, and stick it in your." It is literally, it is literally this, and put it in your right pocket. It is. I am literally Tin Cup with the shanks. Now, now, just now, just do the podcast.